Like I was just saying in the meditation, um, the mind conceives in terms of subject and object, here and there, inner and outer, etc. And of course those are just ordinary categories, they're also very useful categories. If we were to imagine when we speak about the dissolution of those categories or boundaries that we would lose lose them that you know there wouldn't be some kind of spiritual ev- evolution that would be some kind of ghastly regression right so we really need to, we need to know what's my business and what's your business what's um, my role and your role what's uh, my place and your place what's here and what's there And yet because of that you know, ordinary, helpful, and actually quite sophisticated functioning, right? we not only can conceive of here and there, we can also imagine ourselves to be there, wherever the there is. Just physically, we imagine ourselves being what we call somewhere else. And imagining ourselves in a different situation that we're, um, than the one we're in is actually quite sophisticated psychologically. And then, not only just physically somewhere else, we can imagine ourselves taking a different perspective. Actually, not all adults seem to manage <laughs> that. Right. You see some of the what we were talking about—the kind of polarization of views the other day around, you know, um, whether it's remain or leave in terms of Brexit or other issues. Often, a lot of the way conflict gets really polarized is because of the incapacity or at least the unwillingness to to actually imagine ourselves in the other's shoes as it were to actually imagine oh how given that i feel sure that i'm right and given the other person is also sure that they're right rather than just assuming that my right is righter than their right how come the other might also think they're right and that capacity we have, hopefully, to kind of imagine and then to understand and then to empathize with somebody's other view. We might not agree with it. We might still think, no, my view makes more sense, makes more sense to me. We might even feel it's naturally a more evolved view, a more compassionate view, a more nuanced view, a more uh, well-rounded view. But that willingness and the capacity to actually see something from another person's side. That means that then, even if we might still disagree with the view, we don't have to reject the one who's having the view. We don't have to polarize against. We don't have to make them wrong as part of trying to making ourselves right. So, in all kinds of ways, the usual mind does this here and there, this and that, right and wrong, uh, me and you stuff, which is important, helpful. And yet because it's important and helpful, and because it's so primary, right, mind's essential functioning is dualistic, subject-object. There's, a, there's an, uh, a seer and a scene, an actor and an action. Uh, a believer and a belief, etc. Because that's so such a so primary, so hardwired into um, conventional. And I mean the conventional in terms of a developmental stage, right? A kind of rational 
level of human development. Because of that, it's very hard for us, actually, to conceive, maybe we might say it's even impossible for us to conceive of a here that is not the opposite to there, of a this that has no that, of a presence that isn't defined in terms of what is non-present, of presence that doesn't uh, define itself in terms of then of absence. And of course, the, the much of the, what we're trying, what we're exploring, and what we're pointing to, right, all the realms of inquiry that we've been working with, are, wa- are ways, in some ways, of pointing past without being disrespectful to. It's important to acknowledge the great usefulness of dualistic functioning, and yet we're also trying to point beyond that. When we're exploring self, we're trying to point beyond a rational or conventional sense of self. When we talk about other, inquire into other, we're trying to look at other in a way as to see, is other really out there? Do I need to make other different? What happens when I make other different or distant or um, alien in some way? What happens if I look uh, more closely, more caringly, more curiously at other in such a way that the, that othering process starts to soften or dissolve? So in the meditation, just now, speaking of a kind of a right here, as what we were calling then the interface between worlds, the... Um, we could say the centre point between duality, well that's not quite the right word, right way of explaining it, might be more sense to say the right here as the, the vortex into which duality collapses. Maybe that, I don't know if that sounds <laughs> useful as language or not, right? But, um, right here, as the place where we can look towards outer or look towards inner without making them opposites. Right here as the, 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 um, the place or the moment or the experience or the truth in which opposites can find their rest, where contradiction can find its resolution. So in many ways, the real guiding thread of inquiry, despite all the other things I've said about the guiding threads of inquiry, the real guiding thread of inquiry is just that. What is right here? And we asked that question back at the beginning, right? Do you remember on Saturday morning, what's happening? In other words, what's here? What's right here? Same question, and yet asking that same question now, there's maybe, or hopefully, and certainly many of you have been speaking about different nuances of the way, and <coughs> beautifully sometimes, nuances of the way the inquiry has come alive for you, or opened up for you, or revealed um, 
precious or important, surprising, shocking, painful, sometimes insights to you. So, what's that line? Is it Keats who talks about coming back and to the same place and knowing it differently? Just yes, Eliot. Eliot, is it? You maybe know the line better than I just said it as well. And we'll, and we'll know it yeah. as if... We shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's inquiry, right? Say, say it again, please. <laughs> but the whole line is... Um, uh, please, Henry. With the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Nice. Beautiful. Thank goodness somebody knew it. Thank you. <laughs> so here we are, not ceasing from our exploration. And mm, we could say returning to the place, but actually not having left it. We've been, it's just been a procession this week, or this lifetime, or this universe, has really just been a procession through hereness. Right? Endless journey from here to here to here to here to here, without going anywhere. <laughs> and yet, knowing it for the first time, knowing it afresh, that spirit of inquiry, which is the willingness to just look afresh. And often we come asking what's here with a lot of assumptions. That's one of the things that can start to hold us back even in a practice over time, right? is we, we become, uh, we sort of think we know too much. Even when it comes to breath, you sit down again for a morning meditation, I'm going to attend to the breath, but how easily we've got the accumulated weight of our years or decades of practice. We think we know what breath is. Even though this breath has never been breathed before. And so the, t uh, the tendency, you know, being established in our views, being established in this sort of dualistic mode, being established being in being the one who knows things, we, we kind of easily, we rest on that acquired knowledge and in a way then uh, inquiry is a, is a direct challenge to our tendency to rest on our inquired knowledge inquiry is that invitation to put aside what I think I know and actually stand here in the nakedness of I don't know I don't know what if I don't know what this body is and then I let myself find out, what if I don't know who you are? And I let myself find out, what if I don't know what this world is? And I let myself find out. And even maybe, even in asking those questions right now, maybe we hear something of the mystery and the possibility in that. What if we don't know? What if we let ourselves not know? What if we really invite ourselves to not know? And of course, some of us may feel we've invested 
decades in trying to know. We kind of, maybe sort of spiritually through a practice, but also just conventionally, we're often encouraged to know. We think we should know. We're kind of taught to respect people who know. And it's, it's very good to know about all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons. It's good to know about nutrition so you can eat healthily. Right? It's good to know uh, about the tube times so you can get where you're going efficiently. And yet we tend to apply that then to the realms that are unknowable in that way. Like, like the realms of what this is, this thing I call self, or what you are, this thing that I call other, or what this is, this, this or these worlds I inhabit. Or what this is, just the, this, this being conscious, this fundamental aliveness that is, it seems to be expressing itself through everything or as everything that is, whether it's sentient life or whether it's so-called inanimate object, seems to be the same aliveness that's um, expressing or through everything or holding everything together, you might say, or being revealed by the experience of everything. So, that's the way inquiry in that sense comes alive, starting from the willingness just to not know in any given moment. And then that not knowing itself opens up. At first it's very uncomfortable to not know. We might feel deficient, or we might feel stupid, or we might feel vulnerable, <coughs> we might feel uh, lost, disorientated. Maybe we come to a practice like this because we feel lost and disorientated and confused and vulnerable. And therefore, we, we have some idea that there's, the, the spiritual teachings and practices <coughs> are going to give us the truth. They're going to help us to know. And we might <coughs> feel we've been mis, missold. We might have, what's that funny word? Buyer's regret. <laughs> and, and yet... Actually, we find, and I invite you to see for yourself in terms of the processing of inquiry this week, whereas what we earlier spoke about as the, the questions opening up, the inquiry opening up, being more of more use to us, more expansive, more rich than finding an answer, we might find in the same sense that are increasingly we really... If we're really close to experience, if we're really honest, we know less and less about <laughs> things. We're able to say less and less with any real uh, certainty or accuracy, which itself could seem either disappointing or confusing or worrisome. And yet actually, when we, when we allow ourselves the perplexity 
or the wonderment or the, the just the, the sort of the confrontation with the unknowable nature of experience. That very unknowing allows experience to open up more, allows experience to reveal itself more, and allows a kind of heart's ease in the not knowing. A kind of uh, humility, not in the normal way we might speak about it, but the humility of, of being the, the kind of the blessed witness of all of this. The, the fact that consciousness is somehow offered a glimpse, a taste, uh, an, 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 an interaction, uh, an intimacy with all of this that cannot be defined, cannot be reduced, cannot be made sense of, cannot really be described, and yet can be met, explored, responded to. And of course that's the essence of, we've spoken about contact, curiosity and care all the way through as the kind of engine of inquiry. Contact, to meet. Curiosity, to explore. Care, and the response. And then we find actually that as well as that being a description we can give to the kind of the mode of inquiry or the engine of inquiry, but it's also the fruits of inquiry. Sorry, the, the fruits of fruits. inquiry, the results of inquiry. Right? We inquire not for intellectual stimulation. We inquire not to be right. We inquire, I would say, not to know. In fact, we may feel, as I say, le not just less knowing over time, less right less attached to our views, less, less, less fixed on, the, uh, on how convinced we are that this is who I am, this story of myself, this image of myself, this description of myself, this feeling of myself. We inquire not to, um, to know or to be sure or to, or to uh, satisfy ourselves, but we inquire in order to meet to explore, to respond. To participate more fully, more fluidly, and more freely in the life that we have somehow, mysteriously, unwittingly, undemandingly, been given or had thrust upon us, we could say. We don't remember choosing this. We don't remember it beginning, like we said. We can't anticipate it ending, and yet here we are, at this interface between all worlds, called right here, called conscious, called alive. So, please keep inquiring. And as we reflect in those terms, then um, I guess I just want to ask you, so to, if we come back to this place that we want something new and know it anew, and 
not cease in our exploration and if we ask that question again then well, what's right here? What's right here in your inquiry? Where is the thread of your inquiry pointing you right now? What's come alive over these days? What threads of uh, meeting and exploring and caring for experience have particularly stood out? <coughs> like we said, our experience has an, a natural intelligence to it, this quality of dhammata, a, a, a rightness, a, a patternedness, I could say. I just saw somebody just put something on Facebook the other day of the Earth and, I think it was Saturn, uh, and the, the relationship between their orbits around the sun, and they orbit, and they've got completely different, uh, Saturn has an elliptical orbit, maybe the Earth does have a slightly elliptical orbit, I don't know, it must do. And then they orbit at way different distances and way different times, and they, you know, etc. And, but they plotted so that as they orbited around the sun, it was kind of like they drew their trajectory. And then uh, when you plot it over a long enough time, it makes this absolutely fantastic kind of fractal image. The image, that, that kind of fractal relationship that's related, that's revealed in the patterning of all things from leaf membranes to, to um, shell spirals to the trajectory of the planets around the sun to everything. There's, an, there's a kind of, there's a, a, a traceable, gobsmacking um, orderliness. I know that's not a very good word. And our, our human experience, our emotional experience, our psychic experience, our lived experience follows that same orderliness. It is of its nature to open up. And yet for whatever reasons, because of whatever kind of wounds or fears or, uh, or traumas or confusions, we kind of resist that opening up. We learn in various ways that feeling, that opening ourselves to life with the attendant vulnerability is kind of exciting and thrilling, like some of you have mentioned at times, and yet can also be um, discombobulating, destabilizing. And so we kind of, in various ways and to various degrees, tend to resist that. And then it still works in an orderly way, but it's a bit kind of jerky and slow and meandering and bumpy. So in some way we might say inquiry is a, is a way of, to whatever extent we can, kind of optimizing the, the natural intelligent unfolding of our experience, the natural um, opening up of our consciousness the natural uh, movement towards a deeper and fuller recognition of life, of what life is, of what consciousness is, and of, of, most, of how to meet it skillfully, how to explore it fruitfully, how to respond to it caringly. 
so that that meeting, that exploration and that response actually makes sense. It makes sense in the heart. It doesn't make sense into, in terms of a kind of an, a rational understanding. It makes sense in terms of a lived life that feels increasingly freer, increasingly deeper, increasingly more expansive, increasingly more illuminated. Hence, hence the reason that we practice. Hence each one of our interest in this kind of thing. <coughs> hence the willingness and to follow the different threads of inquiry that appear. Hence the willingness to, to see, oh, what am I doing? And how, how, how come I'm doing it like that? What's happening with it? What's here? How am I meeting it? What posture of self have I taken myself to be in this moment? So as our final inquiry together, I'd really like to just to offer you the opportunity for a kind of what's sometimes called just open inquiry. Inquiry into where you're at. Really. Where are you at right now? And I'm asking you that in a kind of contemplative way, but you don't need to figure it out now so that you can then bring that to the inquiry. Right. Where are you at? What, what threads are being pulled? What are you seeing about how it might be helpful to follow those threads? What's alive for you right now? So when we're doing open inquiry, even though there's maybe some kind of contextualizing questions like the ones I just asked, what threads are being pulled, where do you find yourself, what's standing out to you. The, the nature of an open inquiry isn't an attempt to answer those questions. An open inquiry is, is the real listening to what's right here. A listening that is amplified by whatever you know, fruits of your practice are here. Listening that's amplified, maybe, by whatever insights and uh, reflections have been informing you during the week. And so, on the one hand, it's, we're just listening to embodied experience right here. And on the other hand, of course, this immediate living experience is being informed by oh, memories, <coughs> associations, images feelings that help us kind of join up the dots. We tend the two extremes, the one extreme that we can get caught in is just, just referencing all the memories and stories and images and stuff and then we just find ourselves just telling the story about ourselves and we can kind of feel that that's what we're doing. We can feel that I'm sort of, I'm just going off into something. And yet we maybe don't know how to do it differently or we become seduced and fascinated by our own storytelling. And so that's what we end up doing. Or then the other uh, extreme that sometimes the medit meditators fall into more is that sense of, oh no, it's just, it's just story. And I let go of that. I've just got to be here and now. Actually, I won't let any of that in. I'm just, and then, oh, well, what's here right now? Oh, breath, sound. Knees, breath, sound, knees. <laughs> okay. 
but actually to, to, to be grounded in such a way that one can feel breath, sound, knees, I mean, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And yet, the memories and the images and the associations are also here. They're here in a way that's part of the naturalness of the way our experience opens up. They're here in such a way that is our own mind and our own collected experience and our own consciousness and our own uh, patterning revealing itself. And so, there's a kind of seeming paradox maybe there, but that's the ground of our inquiry. Right here, listening to whatever shows up and listening to whatever comes into that, whatever sense-making, whatever uh, ahas, whatever curiosities, whatever ways we can feel, oh, that's interesting, when I speak about that, you know, this happens, when I speak about that, I start to feel, you know, how come? And when I let that open up, etc. The ways, in other words, that, you've, you know, that we've spent developing our... Uh, our contactfulness and our curiosity and our care over the week. So, um, so is that clear in terms of the instruction for an open inquiry? Yeah. What's alive? Where do you find yourself? What's, what's pulling at your interest and attention, seeming like it needs to or wants to really be explored? So, um, Let's take ten minutes each in groups of threes and then another five afterwards just to kind of reflect a little together on, on what you noticed in the process. So just an open ten minute inquiry in groups of three. So that'll take 35 minutes, right? Three times ten and five minutes. And then we'll come back together to debrief a little.